The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. You can find us on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall and email us directly at dugoutstudyhall at gmail.com. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we will talk about trades, bullpen shakeups, changing roles for closers and setup guys, ratios, holds, and saves as we examine relievers around this very special time of year. But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? You know, Matt, I'm not too bad today. How about yourself? Pretty good. Excited about all of these moves that are going on in baseball. What uh, What's one of the things you're anticipating most here? Um, wow. I feel like we're right into it this week, and I think the excitement kind of deserves that. Um, yeah. I have been one of those... Somebody go let Joey Gallo play in an easier ballpark, guys. So yeah. <laughs> um, we're sitting here. It's uh, a little bit after um, 8.30 on Wednesday evening for those of you guys who are going to like clown on us for not knowing about deadline do- like <laughs> moves later on. And um, we're kind of like still coming to grips with who exactly is going back to Texas for Joey Gallo. But personally, I am very excited to see what he can do at that short porch, just as like we all have been forever if you're someone like me who's been yelling at the Yankees, just go sign a lefty. Any yeah, lefty. Yeah, right. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Now, that's, this is a great move for Gallo, I, I imagine. And uh, hopefully Yankees fans are, are happy with it. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to save their season single-handedly. But, uh, man, they've got an outfield now of uh, who who's out there, right? Stanton. They've got uh, Judge. They've got uh, Gallo. Who else do they have? I mean, these these are like all star team outfields. Yeah, Stanton probably does not play that outfield, but um, no, I, but I guess you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I guess they throw someone in center field. Technically, um, I don't know. Can, can we put Luke Voigt in center field? I want to see it. I don't know. I mean, he's gonna probably gonna come off the IL if he plays in center field. He'll be right back on it. Uh, anyway, the point remains they've got a pretty pretty strong uh, offensive core there, and now they're adding Gallo to that in a ballpark that's really built for for what he does. Right, man, it's it's going to be something worth watching, one way or another. Um, can I can I flip a different question to you? Um, of course. Do you have a particular move in mind that you were really hopeful for as a Red Sox fan? 
Um, you know, I actually heard or saw, I should say, I don't really, uh, I didn't hear it. That would be lying. I read it on Twitter. Somebody was, uh, linking, uh, I believe Rizzo to the Sox. That was intriguing. Um, a little surprising, but I don't know. I mean, listen, at, at this stage, uh, there's lots of people flying rumors all over the place and some of them mm-hmm. just have absolutely no legs. Um, uh, in a piece that, uh, you know, Sarah's put out, um, which we'll maybe reference a little bit later if we have time at the end on the, our uh, off the book segment, he uh, is looking at the Sox maybe, or says it makes sense at least for the Sox to be looking for Iglesias. Uh, that would be kind of an interesting move for them. Rysel Iglesias of the Angels? Um, yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, other than that, you know, I, I have to be honest, I didn't expect the Sox to be great this year, and they've been pretty good. I, I think really um, – I'd love to see them add an arm, but everybody's trying to add arms. I've seen them linked to every major pitcher that might be on the move out there from Barrios to Scherzer. Um, certainly that would be exciting for them. They may be getting sale back soon. Um, so, I mean, if all of a sudden that rotation has Sale and Scherzer in it, that's, <laughs> that's a big difference from the beginning of the year. So, I, I mean, anything that, that makes them a little bit better without messing with their chemistry, I think that's the biggest piece. The thing I'm, I always worry about most is bringing somebody in who is, is a disruption to the intangible stuff that, that, you know, we can look at on paper, right. And look at the, the ones and the zeros, but, um, there's definitely something to be said for what bringing a guy into a clubhouse does or, or what you're seeing with the Mariners after, uh, after they sent Graveman out. And, you know, it, sometimes those deals really matter to the human beings who are on the, the end of them. So, uh, that would be something I'd be concerned about. Yeah, there's so much to talk about today, and there's so much to talk about probably tomorrow and Friday, (laughs) and it's just going to be incredible how much we're going to miss here. Um, So I want to say, as someone who's really interested in a lot of those intangibles and how we can't measure them, because, you know, there are enough people like me out there who can... Um, go take screenshots of Statcast. Um, I feel like I feel like the people who do a lot of the most interesting work and that I put a lot of my energy into following are the beat reporters who can tell us the most about how clubhouses work yeah. and about how players make good adjustments. Now, let's bounce into our usual way off the the rails. Like early on, I, I have a quick question for you: <laughs> Have you been watching much of the Olympics? Uh, I actually have been in and out of the Olympics. The the nice thing about um you know being a teacher is I'm a little bit more free to watch TV midday than I would normally be. Um, oh, yeah. what's you know what's really interesting about the Olympics this year is I'm going to derail the derailment for a moment, and then I promise I'll circle back to it. Is that the last all right, all right. the last time we had Summer Olympics was actually um just a few weeks after my oldest daughter was born, and she's five now. And it feels like that was a lifetime ago, especially with that extra year thrown in from COVID. So it's actually bringing back a lot of those like holding a newborn at 3 a.m. memories, <laughs> um, oh. which is cool in its own way. So I actually have been watching a bunch of the Olympics. I have um, my my new summer Olympic obsession is handball. Uh, I oh, love of handball. Course. It's, of it's course. phenomenal. It's a great sport. I forget about it every, every uh, four years. I, I get the reminder of how awesome it is. Um, uh, watched the, uh, the end of the gold medal softball game, uh, swimming, obviously it, you come across that a lot. It's amazing what they can do. I mean, obviously it's amazing what all, all of them can do, but, um, anyway, yes, I have been watching some Olympics. Uh, was there, was there an undercurrent there that, that you were trying to get at? 
current is the right word actually uh, yeah <laughs> it, it, where i was kind of going with this is that I, i've actually really enjoyed the commentary job that uh, michael phelps has been doing this year yeah kind of explaining a little bit of the headspace that athletes get into like it's particular for swimmers but you know it's like being able to say that a particular swimmer needs fewer strokes to get off the across the pool that's not something that'd be on my mind and that's obviously kind of a numbers thing but also just like the how your day works how your life yeah. works as an, an Olympian in a way that is linked to performance. It's really cool to hear from those sorts of people. So, you know, it's really interesting for me, not just to measure, here's how good JD Martinez was last year, but also to hear from people and who, you know, are near him or him himself, you know, like to say like, here are the things that are making me better and more confident and like allowing me to be my best self. So, you know, it's, it's really interesting around uh, the trade deadline to think about some of those implications uh, I really think that Rizzo, if we're actually going to name someone here, would be a really interesting <laughs> fit there. Obviously, they need some help for space value, but I kind of view him as the sort of guy that would probably gel in a lot of clubhouses. That seems yeah. like he's a really um, good personality, a good calming personality who would be uh, uh, good to have around. Also, probably good at baseball. I've been kind of like mm, a, a yeah. Rizzo hater when it comes to like actual <laughs> fantasy value, but I, I love watching him play because the Cubs have, regardless of like only winning one ring, only, only, only yeah. <laughs> have really consistently just been fun to watch. So uh, I, I'm definitely thinking about that a lot this week it's like who's going to be able to maybe be on tv more to do incredible things i can't wait for joey gallo to throw some people out from right field uh, yeah right and, like surprise yeah. all the people who thought he was just a big stiff <laughs> now i think that there are going to be a lot of happy yankees fans uh with him coming into town uh, you know i won't believe that i won't I, believe they'll ever be happy uh well i didn't say it would last <laughs> <laughs> temporarily happy uh maybe um uh what's the word i'm looking for content Maybe they'll be content for a little bit. Um, I, I really think it's it's also great for Gallo, who's going to be a little bit more in the spotlight. He's going to be playing uh, in in East Coast games. More people are going to see him. Um, you know, it's just I think it's an all around great move. Honestly, as much as I hate seeing somebody go to the Yankees, who's going to make them better. Uh, again, as that as that Sox fan, I think it's really a a positive mood. I, I, I'm I'm not at all surprised by this. It almost felt like this was a foregone conclusion and they just needed to work out the personnel, which as we're sitting here right now, we still don't have a, a full grasp on exactly which people have moved. We may, as, as the pod goes on and maybe we'll interrupt ourselves with a little bit more of that information. Absolutely. Um, all right. We're going to move into the numbers of the week this week, and I have three of them. So we're going to spend a little bit more time on this as a, an easing into the topic of the episode than maybe we normally would. But I think this is really valuable. So, uh, you know, we're going to be talking today about relievers, especially in the context of the trade deadline, what makes them good in their different positions, um, depending upon your leagues, saves, holds, ratios, all of that. What makes them good pitchers versus what makes them valuable in fantasy and obviously, fantasy value depends a lot on format. Uh, but we're going to start here with the number 20. And um, for relievers only, Alexander, so stay with me on this. For relievers mm -hmm. only with, who qualify, according to Fangraphs, there are only two uh, pitchers who have a swinging strike rate above 20%. Do you want to try and guess them? Are we doing a guessing game here? Or do you want, want to name them and just talk about them a little bit? Okay. Um, I... I know who I would guess uh, because Kimbrel's the guy who just is the first person I have to guess for a lot of these because he's been stupid this year. Yeah, so he's it, been amazing. 
Uh, no, but no, it's he not. Kimbrel. not. He's not. All right. Uh, the other name I'll throw out is like, he's hurt. I hate it. I want to leave back. It's TJ Anton. Is he one of those two guys? Uh, not on this particular list. No, he is not. Okay. Well, uh, if you give me two guys, I'm going to take two guesses. So uh, yeah, go ahead and pull the curtain back for us then, I guess. Okay. The first one is the aforementioned uh, Rysel Iglesias, mm-hmm. uh, who has oh, actually wow. got the highest swinging strike percentage at 21.8. Uh, and the next is uh, Josh Hader, 21%. Oh. Well, Hader. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Who am uh, I if I can't figure that out, right? <laughs> it's okay. There's a lot to pick from. I, mean, I think it's actually a, been a, a pretty exciting group of, of relief oh, pitching. Yeah. Um, all right. The, so the next number we're going to use is a stat that is near and dear to all of our hearts at Pitcher List, and that is CSW percentage. Um, and the league leader in, uh, in CSW percentage among qualifiers, among relievers, so a little bit of a narrow focus, um, has a 38 uh, percent csw rate uh, again um, do you this, want this, to... this person doesn't happen to like wear clown shoes on tuesdays also as part of the qualifiers for the stat and like anything else i need to know to make sure i'm narrowing down the focus uh maybe on with uh with a certain mile per hour breeze coming across the stadium on day games from 2 p.m to 4 no no there's no other qualifiers okay um I do know that if I was going to pick out people for CSW the last time I checked, um, which actually has been a bit. Wow. Again, it'd be the same guys I was guessing because I uh, called strike plus whiff versus just like straight up like the, the whiff side of things swinging straight rate. Pretty similar. Right. So uh, I, w- I would guess first Kimbrilla, but uh, then Anton is the second guess there. I, and I guess H- Hater would have to be my third guess. He's, been, he's really gotten better as the season's gone on. Hmm. Yeah, uh, right, Antone so, is the right answer for this one. Yeah, okay. Yep, Antone is the right answer. 38%, that's a pretty good number. Yeah, one of the things that really stood out for me for Antone, uh, I'm a side project that I, I need to finish, but just kind of have not finished because I've been doing other things, has been the tweaking CSW um, mm. because it's got a couple bugs that happen to affect the best players in baseball most. Um, okay. Notably, um, when you put, you make a fraction, CSW is a is called strikes, plus whiffs out of all pitches right well um if you throw more pitches um that hurts you if you throw fewer Mm -hmm. pitches that helps you um it turns out that a lot of the best pitchers especially for relievers especially especially for relievers are the guys who are going to be chasing strikeouts rather than you know giving up some weak contact um Mm -hmm. so that means that csw can break for relievers a bit and undervalue the most elite guys so you got to put it as like a per pa basis kind of like most effectively model strikeouts blah 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 tj antone (laughs) literally the goad uh is kind of like the the long and short of that other than like well like super ridiculous um red Sox vintage kimbrel is kind of like what Mm antone was looking like in terms of csw per pa number so those guys are like people who i've been thinking about a lot it hasn't mattered a whole lot for um antone's value this year i kind of want to just like get all my C- my tj antone lo- love out of the way early so i can kind of just like set that aside for the rest of the episode <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely talk about some other people later on uh, yeah. but yeah just kind of like as a note there um the really really best guys um may be trying to pitch differently than some of the people who are kind of like more in the middle of the pack and choices uh, if they have the opportunity to express themselves in stats, can break stats. Right. So um, CSW, though, like the differences between like the per PA and per, the per all pitches versions, the ranks don't matter that much. It's just kind of like some people who are kind of extreme can kind of warp things. And you yeah, yeah, for yeah. that. 
I'm very much looking forward to when we have Fast on in a couple weeks. You two going back and forth about that and uh, maybe writing an article that wins an award uh, together. I imagine it'll just be 45 minutes of Train Mancini love instead and, and no actual productivity. If we're not oh, careful. boy. Well, I can just sit sit that one out. You guys can, I mean, we can just record that and you could send me the files. I'll edit it up. Um, all right. So that's the second of the third numbers. This is the last one. Uh, and this is a hold stat. So um, one of the things I want to preface this with is that um, we talk a lot about holds versus saves. And a lot of leagues have moved to incorporating holds in one one way or another. Um, and when we're drafting, one of the points that we make, I think is important to be made here, is that the top holds guys never have as many holds as the top saves guys have saves. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll keep that in mind to try and, and uh, help with your guess here. But there are only two. If you sort uh, by most holds, uh, again, among qualifiers, among relievers, I mean, it would be weird for a starter to have a hold anyway. Um <laughs> something has gone wonky in that game um well, there are yes. only <laughs> there are only two pitchers who have more than 17 holds so far this year um, when we're talking about closers and uh, who have saves we're talking about a, a much larger number i think it's like 12 13 14 who have in the 20s so only two pitchers have more than 17 uh the the pitchers have 22 and 20 holds respectively can you think of who those two pitchers might be so um, because I have absolutely no idea, um, I'm going to filibuster a bit and talk about how good of a question this is and, and provide editorial value to your choices here. Is this matter enough for you? Um, I think that this question um, really kind of points out um, how big a gulf there can be between these uh, sum up how effective you have been for my real life team, except not numbers like saves and holds and wins, which don't actually talk about how good people are in as clean and pretty a way as we wish they did right versus like csw-ish numbers which try to emulate how effective you've been in like a context neutral but it can't it can't actually be you know that's sort of the way um so i'm gonna say that and then i'm just going to say blake trinan question yeah. mark number one 22 right. holes. yeah that makes sense you know dodgers have been really rigid in their bullpen um like to a fault trinan's yeah. been healthy I feel like he's like the easiest guy to guess. Um, I'm going to try to just rattle through my head about other people who I feel like could be there. And I'm just like, would you like me to give you a division? Great. Yeah, that'd be great. Actually. Okay. NL East. Let's see. Is it Daniel Hudson? It is not Daniel Hudson. Unless, okay. unless and I've I, made a grievous know, error here. So I, when I looked it up, the person that I have written down there is uh Minter. Oh, AJ, AJ Minter of the, of Atlanta. So I did this thing earlier this year where I rostered AJ Minter for a little while, and um, it worked out pretty well. I got a few holds, and then he did this thing where he uh, allowed a lot of earned runs and did really bad things to my ratios for my team. <laughs> yeah. And I think about that same time, uh, some other parts of the Atlanta staff got healthy, and also the batting side of the Atlanta equation got less healthy and less good in general. So like the role became less valuable and also he didn't have it. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually really surprised to know that he's kind of like got that many. Um, It's, I think this is, again, when I said that this is a good question for reasons of it's all wild and it's not that skill related. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. That's, that's what makes this really frustrating. Um, That's also what makes this week trade deadline week where people are being shuffled around to different teams um really interesting and i really do want an excuse to care about more guys who are good at baseball and some of the guys who are being shuffled around 
two good teams where they're still going to have opportunities to accrue saves and holds. Um, hello, the new Astros bullpen. Yeah, right. Yeah, like we're still going to be able to follow them, but like now, Paul Sewell for the Mariners is relevant. Um, yeah, right. And exactly. I, I guess I'm not all that interested in Anthony Bass being the new Marlins closer, <laughs> uh, though it is so funny to me that Anthony Bass is the Marlins closer. We didn't get nearly enough fun out of that the first time, but we need to try again. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that is that a lock, um, or are there maybe some other arms in that bullpen you think might? Uh... Might be oh, competing. no, Bender, I think, was the other guy um, yeah. in there. Anthony Bender, I think, is the guy that like is actually good at baseball that might be yeah. closing yeah, yeah, some yeah. games. Um, but for fish sake. For fish sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, back when uh, Mike Trout was first coming up, I remember somebody making a joke about drafting, drafting the wrong fish guy because he got Tim Salmon instead. So fish jokes all around for everybody. Um, a couple of things I want to say about holds before we move into kind of the crux of the entire episode. Number one, I think that they, they, it's important to understand that you can absolutely get holds and have terrible ratios because it, it mm-hmm. it's just night to night, right? So you get blown up one night and the next night you don't. Um, one of the things about holds that frustrates me, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to say it again and I'm going to say it as many times over and over and over again throughout uh, the time that maybe people are listening to what I have to say, I think holds should also count when the game is tied. Obviously, you can't save a game uh, in a tie situation, but I, I do believe that if the game is tied and you come in and keep the other team from scoring runs, that you should get a hold for that, more so oh, than being up agree. by three. <laughs> so uh, that's definitely something that I'd, I'd love to see um, adjusted with that stat. And I think that um, one of the things that's frustrating for me um, maybe as, as kind of a hybrid between a baseball fan and a fantasy player is that we have a lot of, of metrics we can choose from for starting pitchers. Um, we could talk about K's. We could talk about K per nines. We could talk about wins versus quality starts. Uh, we have all the ratio stuff. Um, for relievers, I don't think we have really fantastic stats that capture what their job is um, because they are so susceptible to uh, you know a couple of runs in an inning. Uh, really blows up their numbers. How do we mm-hmm. know when they're coming in and really doing what the team needs mm-hmm, them to mm-hmm. do? We don't have that number. Um, uh, we had talked a long time ago about trying to maybe develop that and all my ideas were dumb. Uh, but I would still love to see something like that come about because I think at the very least it could be something, if you could come up with this guy is a good reliever separate from fantasy and you could generate a top 25 of the best arms in in, mm-hmm. in bullpens then you could dig a little deeper into okay well then th- what's this guy's role what's the narrative uh is he a, a holds guy a ratios guy a saves guy could he become a saves guy if if the the closer um you know isn't doing a great job and i know that there mm-hmm. are lots of closer depth charts out there that we can use as a resource but this would empower us i think to be able to do a little bit more on our own if we had a better metric to just look at guys who are good relievers in baseball um, that we could then maybe capitalize on in our fantasy games. So I'll get off my soapbox yeah. about that. But yeah, uh, no, I, I think that's um, that's a thing that we can like as people who kind of like half care about fantasy. Um, like <laughs> the reason I care about fantasy and I talk about this sometimes is it's a great way to um, have an output for the amount of hours I waste caring about baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are some people who care about fantasy because it wins the money and sure. don't really care about baseball from like a 
it's a real game sort of perspective yeah, right right and I, I sometimes get really annoyed with that uh just kind of like because you miss so much when you try to insert yourself into the conversation it's just also ends based that it kind of just feels dull so like that's an opinion of mine and you don't have to share it but it is <laughs> yeah. definitely reflective of who i follow and who i care to interact sure with. no i think it's um, fair i mean yeah, i think yeah. that it's perfectly reasonable for people who want to do that to do it and to yeah, and, yeah. you know for the same reason some worlds. people are into horse racing right they're they're not into horse oh, racing because yeah, they yeah, love yeah. the horses <laughs> and so for people who are making a bunch of money off of baseball they're basically human this is going to sound terrible but you know human um horses in that case right they're they're yeah, stats they're the exact numbers. same way um and and so it, it, i so i mean i I, th- I want the the chart though that you're saying then is like this isn't how valuable this guy is to me winning betting i just right, want exactly who is good at baseball ranks that come out more often mlb.com does us a lot and they're like numbers are always kind of weird mm. where they'll have like like a random dude is like the third best third base and it's like that guy's not the third best third yeah. baseman. <laughs> <laughs> like um my brain is broken or else i would have come up with someone really weird there to be like eugenio suarez is not the third best third baseman in baseball right now <laughs> um and uh, yeah i do i'm with you though i I would love to see more people kind of just put out here's like the who's been the best this season as a way to kind of just unveil whatever research they've been doing i think that'd be fun well and it's i mean some of these these things that get put out for fantasy are very format specific incredibly format specific and there's a lot of assumptions that go into those ranks that maybe somebody's using not knowing just how different those assumptions are from their league's reality so anyway Mm -hmm. again we can move on from my my uh, pet peeve about all that but so boxes are allowed in this classroom, it seems, and I think we're both okay with that. Um, but yeah, this week, I, 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 we keep saying what we're going to say this week. We should probably say it, right? Yeah, well, that's um, what I was going to say. Well, this is a good time for us to transition into kind of the idea of what makes relief pitchers good versus what makes them valuable in fantasy and, and looking at who's worth maybe rostering, who's worth keeping your eye on, and with all of the change that's going to be happening here in these next few days, and, and the change that's already happened, to be quite honest, um, with the aforementioned Astros bullpen, especially, um, how do we kind of take a look at this? What what is the math that matters, um, and and what do we do with all this information? And if we lose our closer to become a setup guy somewhere else, um, you know, what do we do with that? Let's say we can't we can't find more saves. Um, how do we maybe zig and zag to grab guys who are going to help us with ratios if we're already out on saves, kind of a thing? So, um, mm-hmm. want to talk about identifying relief pitchers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and maybe like the best version of what I suggested, I wish we had, what's the best version of that, that we do have right now that we can use. Yeah. I, I, I tend to, um, like try not to pat ourselves too much on the back at pitcher list <laughs> for like how quality people's stuff can be. Um, I think last year, um, my good friend uh, Dave Sherman's catcher rankings end up being like one of the most accurate yeah. and out there. Yep. Really cool. Rick Graham's um, collective everything about relief pitching rankings just consistently blow everyone else's out of the water in terms of how good they are. He puts a ton of work into it. I'm technically on his reliever team uh, tonight. I'm going to log off and I'm going to open the draft for the article that I'm honestly going to write tomorrow morning at six in the morning <laughs> for it's like the bullpen depth charts we do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good. And his list, I think I like to use as a baseline for who I should care about. Yeah. Um, one of the things about a lot of the content that's very list basic gets put out is that once you kind of have a footing about what you should care about, it becomes a little bit less helpful than it could be. Um, like, I don't need to see someone's starting pitcher rankings 
to tell me who to add and drop if I've got a good basis in like what makes someone good at pitching. Like you can disagree, right? Sure. But you still look at them because if you have missed someone or like you really disagree on someone, you take notice. Rick Graham is like the sort of guy where it's like, okay, I want to make sure I haven't missed anyone. I want to make sure that like everyone that I think is good, he's like at least also kind of like considering because I trust his voice at least as much as I trust whatever I would believe for myself as an exceptionally, <laughs> like, I think I could be right if I just like put in the work and um, he puts in the work. Yeah, for sure. So for example, his, um, his most recent um, um, like just closer rankings came out. What is technically yesterday by the time this podcast drops his save and hold rankings will be updated. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to use this as much, but, Again, his stuff's really good. Um, so his most recent closer rankings, he puts in some nice little tiers. I'll show you the movement, just like next list. And, you, you know, I like to use that as like a, even though and I don't play in closer leagues, I like to use that as kind of like a good, like how valuable these collective jobs list yeah, as well. Right. Um, you know, the differences there are in those different formats are pretty revealing. So that's kind of like a good, I need a list and it's going to tell me what to look at the future. And it's kind of not just like, num input output machine in the yeah. same way that like some of us can be <laughs> yeah um the other very different type of resource that i like to use is the fancrafts auction calculators like year to date money earned things uh, you get a very similar thing from like the rasball player raider i just yeah, yeah. like how much i can play around and customize what fancrafts does yep um rudy gamble and the rest of the crew at rasball do a great job as well um and the, the thing you can do um so i've got um, a year-to-date auction calculator that I pulled up earlier. Um, it's just like the most standard of settings for whatever they put in because I didn't really care that much, like $260, um, 12 team. But the only thing I did is I changed the projection to be 2021 year-to-date. Okay. And I just scrolled down and looked at the dollars um, earned by a different type of category and like looked at the different relievers there. One of the things I like to use this resource for, and this is actually the thing I come kind of talk about most as kind of like getting into how we compare different types of value is there are several different pathways to being a really valuable and productive relief pitcher. Yes. And we don't tend to care about one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go through the top 10 here and I want you to tell me who you're most surprised by. Uh, no, I, I'm going to go with top 11 uh, just because I, I want, I want to just like really sneak really somebody in there. Okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, the top, the top five or so aren't all that, um, strange i would say you, know, you got liam Hendricks, craig kimberl matt barnes josh hader rysel iglesias yep. um all of them are at least 6.6 dollars earned from saves while all being above the 12 dollar mark in total so these are guys who are contributing a good amount of like value to you just by getting saves right but a good amount of the value they're generating is also going to come from their ratios for example kimberl's era has been worth 4.8 dollars um Tactically, Iglesias is by the settings an ERA hit, but he's been a boon in whip. They're all at least $2 earned in whip. And they're also, for the most part, as relief pitchers go, pretty good for strikeouts. The way that their system works is like, you might be, air quotes here, losing money on strikeout value because it's also comparing it into like starting pitching. Right, right. uh, Which which is just kind of like a be realistic look at everyone here everyone's <laughs> here like the top end guys are losing you less than two dollars the worst guys are like losing you more than four dollars you can kind of adjust yeah, your right, expectations right, right. But, but it's good to know like the differences in the amount of strikeouts you're going to be getting from Keg, right, craig kimbrell or liam Hendricks versus the number of strikeouts you're going to get as we scroll down the list 
Ryan Presley, Alex Reyes, Jake McGee, Mark Melanson, yeah. a guy who doesn't strike anybody out. You're leaving more strikeouts on the table by having him. So even though he's first in saves, and he's also a benefit in ERA, he's hurting you in whip, technically. He's hurting you in strikeouts more than other people are. And he's happened to get fewer wins as well, which is kind of just a quirk. Um, so nine was Melanson. Ten is James Karinchak, who hasn't been a full-time closer here and is only $2 in saves. His ERA and whip bonuses have been really good, but his strikeouts have been also really exceptional. He's at like $9 earned. And then at $11, we have Andrew Kittredge, mm-hmm. who has been a net negative in saves, but his ERA and whip are so good that he cracks the top I cheated and chose 11 for this reason. <laughs> Top 11, yeah. No, that makes sense. I I think um, it's important to understand that maybe this isn't how you go in and find your closers, right? I, if, if, you have, if you're looking for guys who are getting saves, you probably have an idea and maybe you've built your staff around that. But I do like this tool for one thing, especially, and, and tell me if you think I'm being done with this. It's totally fine. I think this is a great way to go find the people that your league mates might not even be thinking about because they're not getting a ton of saves. When they sort by saves Mm -hmm. and look for somebody, they're not sorting by the value you're going to get from the strikeouts, the whip, the ERA. Uh, wins maybe isn't a thing. It depends upon whether you're you're playing, you know, standard. If you if you have quality starts instead of wins, then you know that that's not a factor. But um, I, this to me seems less like a hey, which closer do I want kind of thing, um, and more of a hey, which reliever can I get that is going to return uh, the most value relative to what's available. And so if you're on the wire and you're chasing the guy who sometimes closes games, but doesn't have great ratios and is returning $5 worth of value. And you're leaving the guy who's returned $11 worth of value on the wire because the saves are, are low, then that's a misplay. And I, I think that's a really, this is a really good way of, of illustrating that point And also a tool that people can go actually use to, to make that, that, uh, decision. That's a pretty that's a pretty simple way to look at it. Um, I think what's also kind of cool. Uh, warning, by the way, just in case any of you guys get really scared here, I'm going to talk about math without you guys <laughs> being able to see what I'm talking about. But I'm going to do my best here. Uh, a funny thing is, I, a course I teach actually teaches middle schoolers how to do this in essay form where people can't see their scratch works. So I'm hoping my best here. Um, <laughs> They are middle schoolers. It's, it's, you know, yeah, I do know. Um, I am familiar. Okay. So one of the things this tool is really cool for is because it's all linear, uh, because like you, the, the number of dollars you get from an additional save is constant over time. Each additional save is always going to be the same amount, no matter if you're going from 1 to 2 or 31 to 32. Um, we can actually compare um, the relative dollars from... I'm going to pick out a guy who barely has any saves, but is showing up pretty high on this list. That's Ranger Suarez. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got four saves, um, and uh, that puts him at a nice, clean, even, negative $0.0 from saves. <laughs> ignore the sign. It's like there's, there's like some sense in there. We're not cared about them. And I'm also going to pick out uh, Matt Barnes, who has been worth um, $7 from saves. Um, these guys' ratios and everything else have actually been pretty much equally valuable. Um, so Rancher Suarez, they have as a $6 pitcher. Um, Barnes um had they have a 14 dollar pitcher so there's an eight dollar difference and seven of them are from saves they're pretty right right um i want to talk about kind of like how they do some things differently and kind of like how we can use the differences between them they pitched very similar number of endings so like 
you know, some very small rounding differences here. But roughly speaking, we can see how many uh, additional saves gets you a dollar of value. Okay. And it's actually really easy to do. So there's a $7 difference in their, like, save values. How many more saves does Barnes have? Um, well, you're talking about four um, for Suarez, 22 um, for Matt Barnes. So that means 18 saves is 7 bucks. Um you can divide 18 by 7, and if I can do that in my head, so that's like each dollar is going to be like two and a half, three, two and a half to like two and three quarters saves. So, like, um, yeah, saves individually, just one save is going to help you a fair bit. Um, by contrast, um, Suarez has this is incredible at this point, he has a 1.14 ERA. Yeah. and <laughs> it's incredible that is uh according to this calculator for him um that's been worth 3.8 bucks of positive value so it's 3.8 dollars better than average yeah, for this league right not better right. than league average average for the league for pitchers means that like who people who are rosterable in this like 12 team league so that means that, like this is that's better than like probably like a 70th percentile pitcher so he's really good um, I'm going to ask Barnes? you to do something on the fly here, and, and um, I will try and talk as to give you time to do it. Let's try and run that same sort of comparison with somebody else who has kind of four lucked into saves. And can we can we maybe find a comp that would help us determine the value of the ratios in some way? Uh, maybe not quite as precisely as you did it per save, because I, again, I think that's where. The, oh, I was about to do that. I was that's, oh, that's fantastic thing. because I really think like right now it's it's not like if you're on your waiver wire you're deciding between Matt Barnes and and Ranger Suarez right like that's not a decision you're going to make but the theory of it can help you make a decision in reverse which might be one that you are going to make where you can actually see that the difference and the value that comes from having a low whip is actually way more than you might realize or whatever the this kind of like dive shows us here. So uh, funny you say that actually. Um, what are the other guys who has exactly four saves this year and also shows up really highly on a lot of the, um, well, you know, the other things that aren't saves, yeah. um, is Paul Seawald. Uh, yeah. you may have heard of him. He's probably the new closer for the, in the hunt for the wild card, um, Mariners. Right. Um, if you search his name on Twitter, you might accidentally find, uh, Michael Ahedo, who yep. has changed his Twitter name to, <laughs> yeah. uh, pay tribute to him. Big fan. And, uh, and also, I think there are some New York Mets fans that remember his time there. Anyways, um, yeah, we can actually use some of their values as well. Though I will say, I picked out Matt Barnes because you subtract out the saves. The ratios are actually kind of close, but they're different kinds of things. So, like, uh, we can actually take all of them, and we can find the differences between them to see, like, how much an additional strikeout is worth according to this sort of thing. And I'm going to, like, taking a look at that really quickly, you know, like, uh, Barnes has negative 1.9 from strikeouts, whereas Suarez was negative 4 from strikeouts. So $2 worth of strikeouts is how many strikeouts? Um, 65 minus 40. So yeah, a strike, you need about, like, 12 strikeouts to get the same value as, like, two and a half saves. So a, stri- yeah. a save is worth about three strikeouts or so. Um, that's kind of like a weird conversion to think about. It's like, yeah, I'd rather right. have the guy who's just like a flamethrower, but like, you know, if you're comparing a guy who's like a closer on a bad team who doesn't strike out anybody versus Garrett Whit- Whitlock, you might want Garrett Whitlock. Now, what's I think really important this time of year is that we're looking at a guy like Paul Seawald, who's been pretty good. He's got 
I'm going to say this number out loud, and we're both just going to take a deep breath. A 42.5% strikeout rate this year. Um, a 9.4% walk rate. That is good for a 2.46 XERA, if you're using like the StatCast-fueled XERA formula. A 2.3 actual ERA, and a sub-1 whip. A .99 whip. I love to be able to say that sub-1. Yeah. So yeah, Paul Seawald, <laughs> been pretty good. So all of those things, and he's pitched just 31 innings. So I want to say, in terms of like his strikeouts, you can actually think he he'd probably have more than fifty four if he'd pitched the same number of innings as uh, right, someone right. like. So we're running this Fangraphs sort of like way of looking at things. His um, ratios alone, pretty much, would probably make him about the twelfth or thirteenth most valuable reliever according to their model. And we'll talk okay. about the implications yeah. of like following their model here in a second, but. Let's say that you add on like a save pace that has him in the top 10 because he's maybe the exclusive ish closer for a pretty okay team. Like that might put him as someone who's worth um, top six or seven value because he's been so good. Now, and moving compare... forward, obviously, that value is going to be different if he has that. No, that's job. what I'm saying. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, so... I'm saying like, let's say lock him in, give him a bunch of saves. Now, let's compare if you look back and compare that to the top 30 closers list that uh, Rick Graham's most recently put out. Kendall Graveman was much farther down that list. Yeah. Um. So I take a take a very different route to looking at this um, than um, than Rick does. Um where I'm much more interested in a lot of the ratios, guys. Um, and we, we might disagree here. I kind of think that Graveman, he has Graveman, but underrated. A Graveman, for example, 12th on this list. Okay. So maybe you just say that, um, you know, we just give Seawald maybe Graveman's, like, save stuff going forward. He's worth then, still, we're talking about like a $9, $10 guy, someone who might be, and again, it's pretty clogged in the list. So between 7 and 12, they're all worth within about a dollar of each other, but we could see Paul Seawald in this new role being oh, a guy who would be worth about 10 bucks, who might be as good as an Alex Reyes almost, or as much as a James Karen Jack. So that's a really interesting comp to be able to make yeah. just based off of yeah. this math. Let's let's move into a little bit of a discussion about movement, because we know that, uh, as we've pointed out, people have already moved. More people will probably move. Um, mm -hmm. And that changes opportunities, both good and bad. So, um, and I want to make sure that we do talk about, like, if we were to look at that list, let's just, before we, we, we move totally on, if you have that list up, who would be oh, yeah. in the top 20, somebody who still does not have the potential to be, a, uh, or doesn't have a closer's job either nailed down or likely because of a, a recent trade, somebody who's still kind of a setup person who, who might be on your wire because right now, uh, Paul Seald's probably gone. The news is hit. Yeah, he, you probably yeah. can't get him anymore. You're not, uh, you, you know, I don't know what you're doing with Graveman. If you, if you had him for saves and you don't have a holds league, um, his ratios are really good. So you probably want to keep him in that slot for that. But you're probably going to need to either then kind of pivot to, I'm going to focus more on the ratios and maybe move away from the saves, or I'm going to have to, you know, slot somebody in who might pick up a save. So a, a few things that I want to make sure that we talk about. One, as these players are moving, how do we adjust our, our teams if we're hit? If our if our guy got moved and isn't going to be the closer anymore, um, uh, or our guy, um, you know, moves into that slot, you know, how, how do we make those adjustments? Who else do we fill in? Um, and, and again, I really want to make sure that we talk, do talk about those guys that are on the wire that even in saves leagues, right, where you you um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you 
you don't have you you've lost your saves. You're not going to replace them with somebody who's a regular starter yeah, because yeah. the league has scooped those people up. Who's a good fill in? Who's somebody that's worth having at the very least to fill that spot so it's not a blank because you just lost Kendall Graveman saves. Um, so yeah. again, mo- moving the discussion into yeah, more of the yeah, trades yeah. and the movement, but the ramifications, the consequences, and then how we can react as fantasy players to try and make the best decision we can. It might not be ideal compared to what we want, yeah, yeah, but it's better you. than you know chasing a couple of saves here and there and getting your ratios whooped. Yeah, I, I want to say like, um, I'm not always the biggest fan of picking out the. I pick on Daniel Bard. Um, right um it's not his fault that the rockies are the rockies a funny thing actually is that like almost like 75 percent of the saves he's he's picked up this year have actually come in rockies home games Mm. because the rockies are better at home (laughs) so the place where it's like worse to pitch in theory is the place where he gets most of his saves it's as i wonder if it's held up in past years i would love to go back and check out and see like the percentage of saves by rockies pitchers that have come at coors versus that have come on the road you know like something like 65 percent of games that the rockies play the home team wins so it you know it's not that shocking yeah. but yeah i don't want to roster him um the upside's not great um and i don't i don't roster guys that like their top end upside is the 20th best closer and a disaster on my ratios because if you're rostering those guys then you have to have starting pitchers who are going to be really expensive and who are yeah. really good um if you're rostering some of these uh, and i should say like another consequence who's the back end of your staff then you're chasing then people who are balanced back your ratios as pitchers well those might be like guys who aren't getting a whole lot of strikeouts or maybe guys who aren't picking up a whole lot of wins. And right. then you end up kind of like continuing to dig this hole. So the thing I'm more likely to do, um, I know that my entire league is going to be chasing saves. It's an expensive category to win. Yes. So I want to go win the cheaper categories like ERA and whip whip, especially I think. Um, so you're rostering guys like Garrett Whitlock or like Andrew Kittredge who are going to be providing you more values in those categories. So, like, if we look down the list of the guys who've been the most valuable in terms of whip this year, um, Giovanni Gallegos is just insane $5 <laughs> earned in whip. He is, by this metric, again, lots of grains of salt just dashed all over the place by this ranks, <laughs> blah, 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 etc. Still, Giovanni Gallegos probably deserves to be on your team if, if he's unknown in, like, a lot of these sorts of leagues um you know it, it's interesting to see like a guy like craig stammen um who i think <laughs> i actually had a bad experience with i think i picked up like one day he had a really bad day and it dumped him again because i'm fickle um, <laughs> but, you know guys like that who possess actual skill are on good teams where maybe they might have a day where the other guy is off this is actually like kind of the purpose behind the bullpen depth charts we articles we write is like finding the days where you can see the closers pitch two days in a row yeah, And you want to pick up like the guy who's second in line or maybe third in line, depending, to try to get a vultured save because you know they're probably going to pitch. So you're going to get those strikeouts. Um, you trust in the ratios and maybe you get a save. So Craig Salmon's the guy to be looking for. I don't know. If, you, if you're in like an infinite transactions readily, go for it. You can probably get a, a bunch of vultured saves. Um, I'm not into that. I, I read these yeah. articles. I don't use them <laughs> in that same way. <laughs> um, and it mostly just use them to pay attention to bullpens. But yeah, I'd be looking for guys like Garrett Whitlock for sure. They're also fun to watch. Um, kind of a nice upside. Um, so that's a guy. Who, Jonathan Luizaga, the guy in that same category. He's not going to yeah. have a closer's job, I don't think. <laughs> um, so 
plenty of guys like that that you can kind of look for. Daniel Hudson maybe is like a, a last one that I kind of like like a little bit less. But the thing you would do then, here's another tool. Go to Rick Graham's holds list. Yeah. Get the top hold guys. <laughs> like that's kind of it. Um, they're they're good pitchers for the most part. Um, right, right. The politics of being a closer, I think, are a little bit different than being the po- the politics of the best eighth inning guy for a lot of teams. Yeah, that's definitely true. I, I, as we mentioned before, it's it's definitely more volatile than closers, I think, um, because holds guys might come in in the eighth inning and be great, but every now and then they're thrown into a, a you know a tough situation in the sixth, and that really hurts their ratios mm-hmm. or their mm-hmm. you know their. Uh, um, there are other numbers. So you can theoretically be high on the holds list and, and not not be the kind of guy we're talking about, but it gives you a starting point, and then you dig in a little bit to the numbers, and you, you make sure that you don't, you're not getting the guy who's just accumulated holds while being not great. You get the guy who's accumulated holds while, uh, you know, as kind of a byproduct of being good, not a byproduct of being lucky. Um, anything yeah, else that yeah, you want to sure. say about relievers and roles and all of that, especially heading into the trade deadline before we move on to another segment? Yeah, I mean, there's just some names that I just some dudes I like who I think are moving around. I, I just want to, like, put a stamp of like, yeah, that dude's really fun and I'm happy for him. <laughs> Approval um, on Kendall Graveman. Uh, I'm really happy for him as kind of like a, a starter who like just suddenly it's like became a bullpen ace because just started yeah. throwing harder that's yeah, really that's cool a good story <laughs> i remember him coming yeah. up with a lot of helium and people were really heavily invested and then they were disappointed and it looked like maybe the the poor guy was just kind of be relegated to that guy we talked about before and now now yeah, this is really a good a good story for sure yeah and, and i just think that's fun um the most interesting stories in baseball are often like the extremes of people's experiences the tobies so to speak um I feel it can be very boring stories. Um, the guys on, uh, I think, I think it was baseball barbecue. Uh, maybe it was the ringer MLB show. I don't know. I have a lot of, I have a lot of podcasts. Maybe <laughs> we're doing like a draft for the most boring things in baseball. And one of the things they picked out, I think was Kyle Gibson. Just, you know, <laughs> then he got better. Also fun. Um, but like, generally speaking, it's the people who are really quirky and have the fun stories that make following fantasy interesting because their value spikes and you get a benefit from following along and being invested in like the human element of it. Right. Because you, you see it. Because you care. So, um, yeah, just I'm happy for him. Yimi Garcia also kind of like wasn't a dude and then suddenly became a dude this year with the Marlins. Yep. Doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but again here we go this astros bullpen that's kind of been a joke for me all year it's like they're, they're really good at walking guys well now they've got <laughs> they actually got two former marlins now. yeah so, yeah um I, i'm coming to terms with the fact that i'm kind of an astros apologist um and i tend to care more about them and get excited more about them than most other people who talk about baseball Again, I grew up in Texas, so I'm right, going to call that right. my excuse, but I'm, I'm just having to kind of come to terms with that publicly. Well, I mean, listen, uh, we can all feel uh, our feelings about what happened, but at the same time, it's also that thing that happened. So if you want to be frustrated with the people involved or certain players or the way they handle themselves, I totally understand and get it. But um, I think in terms of organizations, uh, it's maybe time to... To move on from you know, the the black mark against the entire team, there's a lot of guys there who had nothing to do with that, 
and uh, still don the cap and the jersey and go out there and work hard every day. Um, I think I saw something kind of funny on on Twitter. Somebody said that uh, apparently now all games for the Houston Astros, not just double headers, they're all going to be seven inning games. It's pretty funny now that they've got the uh, the the bullpen arms to uh, to oh basically <laughs> um, put you away if you're not. It reminds me a, a lot now of of kind of that Yankees bullpen that they had when they had basically three closers and the last one was Rivera greatest closer of all time you know if you didn't have the lead in the sixth inning you weren't winning that game um it looks like they're trying to set themselves up to kind of be in a similar spot you know what's crazy is they also have arguably like the deepest rotation of any of like the top end teams in terms of like their fifth and sixth guys being good yeah um they have absolutely no worries kind of like going into the long run of like having a guy to fill in if they need to give someone some extra rest you know uh, so they've had Christian Javier, who could totally be a starter, essentially move to the bullpen. It wouldn't surprise me at all to see Luis Garcia go to the bullpen, maybe for like a little while, maybe towards the end of the season, or maybe Jose Urquidy does, or maybe J- uh, like Jake Odorizzi goes to the bullpen. They're going to have just an incredible um, set of arms, whereas last year in the playoffs, um, Dusty Baker basically just didn't hand the ball off to someone who wasn't one of their starters, Christian Javier or uh presley right so like yeah it's it's gonna be scary and people are gonna be really angry about it and i cannot wait to write the (laughs) postseason recaps for the astros again this year um which i think no one else on the pitcher list staff wanted to do and i have a couple really close friends who are astros fans and have been since like before they started tanking the first time like yeah these are like people who have like the old like uh weird crimson and pinstriped astros unis from like their their world series era yeah, the Killer Bees era. Yeah. And like, you know, like went to tons of games in that era. So being able to talk to them about like the, the torture of being a Houston sports fan <laughs> um, in the pre like Astros rebrand era and cheating era is, is really fun. So I, I wish I wish this wasn't that franchise. I wish they could be the one Houston sports team that isn't just garbage fire right now. Um, <laughs> and yet they kind of are an art in their own way. Um, so. I mean, we'll see the ship burn one way or another. Yeah, maybe yeah. it burns rightly. Maybe yeah. that <laughs> just burns. Listen, I mean, people are going to have their feelings, like I said, and and uh, you're entitled to them. Um, for for me, I, I like I like the idea of being upset about what happened and and then moving forward. And um, like I said, there's a lot of guys on that team now that had nothing to do with that. So, um, I think the bigger thing also is like, um my anger is mostly directed with major league baseball's handling of it sure and the front office it's um, an easy place to def- to yeah. to move the anger yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, I, I don't need to hate kyle tucker i don't need to hate kendall graveman i don't even need to hate um like correa or um you know i i don't hate altuve all that much like comparatively speaking i'm I'm sure other guys are doing much worse than him it's kind of like the long and short of it yeah so listen i don't love that they did it i don't love the way that that they acted about it i I certainly don't love the way that Mm -hmm. uh, um, mlb handled it but again i mean i I don't know there are people who have done a lot worse things who have been absolved of their sins so and you get a very short window to get paid a whole lot of money to play baseball you have to be really lucky to be healthy and still good by the time that arbitration is up. Yeah. Um, it makes sense to me why the Ho- AL2Vs of the world who 
aren't going to get paid a ton of money to play baseball. The Carlos Correas of the world who otherwise aren't going to potentially make all of the money that they are going to be worth if they don't find ways to prolong their career. Um, You probably wouldn't have as much player buy into some of these morally gray things if the entirety of their prime wasn't like on rookie contracts essentially so yeah that's um, true the, the whole business of baseball thing and we've we've talked a lot about that so i don't think anybody's <laughs> confused about where we stand on that um, all right let's move into pass fail and there there's been a flurry of activity we have already talked about the graveman deal we've talked about the gallo deal um i would like to get your take on the uh the trade between the marlins and the athletics sending starling Marte um out to um um why am i blanking I well just i think it. you're blanking because the, it, they may not be the oakland athletics much longer if they get their way <laughs> the ace. I mean, why, that's what it is. why did that happen i said the name of the team and then i completely forgot it so thank you alex i'm actually going to leave all that in so that people can see good how. yeah they, they are allegedly rooted in oakland that is their uh that is their team like branding is rooted in oakland and here they mm. are potentially not being thinking about las vegas it's like that meme right with the guy turned around looking at the uh at the other girl and the girlfriend being upset about it uh, yeah. So, and describe that we know what you're talking about. You know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's let's try that again. I'd like to get your take on the Lazardo Marte trade, where Starling Marte is headed out to Oakland, um, maybe eventually Las Vegas. <laughs> Who knows? Um. And and the Marlins get get uh Jesus Lazardo back. I, I was actually surprised to see. You don't really see. This is almost like a fantasy baseball trade that happened in real baseball. Um. And I'm very anxious to get your take on this one. Okay, so one of the things I want to do is I actually want to take a type like a quick trick back to um, early 2019 before we get too far into this. Um, do you remember who else Starling Marte has been traded for? Um, I guess it's early 2020. I guess but I couldn't yeah, remember the Oakland Marte Athletics for? two seconds after I said Oakland Athletics. So no, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't remember who else he's been traded for. So the Pirates traded him to Arizona for Brennan Malone. And uh, Leover uh, Piguero. Uh, hmm. uh, neither of them, as far as I know, are making a significant impact in uh, Major League Baseball. That was kind of seen as like a, hey, you want this guy sort of trade yeah, at the time, right, as far right. as I remember. Um, and then Arizona kind of realized last year that, you know, despite the fact that it seemed like in 2019, they're like turbo sell Goldie and rebuild rebuild was working. It actually wasn't. Um, because they just got some guys play over their heads and then fell back to earth. So they started selling off again. And then last year at the deadline, um, they traded her, him for um, Caleb Smith was the biggest name among yeah. the ones that left. Um, and here he is now. Um, the guy who's been basically traded for nothing a couple times because the reason for it was like his arbitration par- price tag was getting pretty high and yeah. he had barely any time left and he was old. Like that's yeah. what it was. Um, I don't know if it's arbitration price tag. I just know like actual contract price tag. But, like he he was due a good amount of money, and he wasn't seen as like a future asset. And they kind of kind of just kept getting flipped around, and here he is now being traded for. I mean, warts if you want to put them on there. But Jesus Lizardo is got to be one of the most interesting. I can fix him projects that any like major league front offices like development team could possibly get their hands on <laughs> like how long ago how many innings ago how many pitches ago where you're like believing that jesus luzardo could be like An a ace. game one starter in a, pl- in a playoff yeah series. right right yeah it, well, it was not long ago uh people were itching for him to get off of the il 
because they mm-hmm. were convinced that he was going to be, you know, the next big thing. Yeah. So it is just mind boggling to me. So I, I guess at this point, uh, we're in the 10th year, 10th calendar year of Starling Marte's professional career. So I have to go look at his contract details to kind of figure out exactly the, the, why the salary numbers made him like a perennial dump for a couple consecutive years but I, I think that i think it was just kind of like there's not a whole lot left i think there's an option year in there or something like that um it's really weird to me to think though like in in basketball my eternal like comp sport you don't see this often that someone who's this good gets dumped around i mean you do see a few of them and uh, there's a couple of trades recently the nfl or the nba draft is tomorrow which means it'll be last <laughs> night for listeners right. um so they do big tr- contracts do get dumped around, but we don't see it a whole lot in baseball because there just aren't that many guys who are movably cheap and still good. You tend to either, you know, uh, be really laughably overpaid at 33 yeah. and unmovable or still good. Um, so, um, so that side of thing is really interesting to me. He's just kind of like a weird thing. Also, guess how many times he's been an all-star in his career? Um, Starling Marte. Mm, 10-year career, four just once really 2016 yeah that actually that um, does surprise me yeah it doesn't it um so um he's he's definitely an interesting case um he's got a lot of other flukes um do you know how many games he played last year i don't he played 61 games last year as one of two players huh. um so yeah yeah you remember he got traded because he got and yeah, as a result traded, yeah. yeah he was able to, to play yeah that that's now that is a fun fact <laughs> there are not that many truly fun <laughs> facts out there about baseball typically like the fun ones aren't that good and you know i think the jokes is the joke is that most stats are actually fun facts and most fun facts aren't that fun that yeah. is a funny one um, yeah no so, that's anyways. a good one i like that so yeah he, he's a guy that i I really am rooting for uh, he, you know he, he's been out there for a while i'm hoping he gets an extension i hope oakland pulls some money out of their wallet for once and is the team to sign him that'd be a good show of me not hating them um for just being wholeheartedly cheap yeah um, but you know that'd be really cool uh, I, he's also a guy i think could be really fun for them because you know the aos we don't stay up to watch him yeah. it's a it's a fun division it's got a lot of yeah, fun teams yeah, yeah. a lot of really fun players all right i'm um, gonna put you to it uh marlin's side of this pass fail um oh this is this is a definite pass given that he wasn't resigning. Uh, I'm disappointed that he's not resigning. Their their pitching core is win now. Um, when yeah. you have pitching, you're win you're win now. So I, I think it's kind of like it is kind of a fail that their best offensive player is now gone, and they basically need to build an offense from scratch um, in the offseason. Strategically, not great. Uh, I would even prefer kind of like a a later career hitting prospect. But the return is so good that I I like it. It is the best case for the for the error that you made. So like you ever see a kid like. It's like failed spectacularly in their approach, but it just demonstrates so, so much something yeah, that you have yeah. to feel good for them. <laughs> yeah, this right. is that for me. <laughs> okay. I got you. How about yeah. from the athletic side? Um, I think I'm really confused by it. Again, it, it, this is just such a strange trait. It feels like a fantasy trade, right? Yeah. This feels like it's just, hey, here's this guy. So either they really, really have some questions about Luzardo really see Marte as like a long-term contributor and maybe also think that he's going to resign there and doing the trade makes him likely to sign there I don't know I, I feel I guess there's the there is no such thing as a pitching prospect kind of rule whereas maybe you think you can get two wins of production out of Marte for the end of the year I, I don't know I gotta look at his contract I feel like I'm missing something here <laughs> 
So let's let's pull that up really quickly. I don't know. How, how do you feel about this on your side of things? Uh, um, I, does this strike you as as odd as it seems? Yeah, you usually don't see like just one for one deals. First of all, uh, especially in today's day and age, you usually see a lot of moves getting done to move salary, um, to to try and capitalize on a guy that's not going to stay with you and and get younger, um, to get what you can for a guy, you know, as a rental. This doesn't doesn't seem like any of those things. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a big deal for Miami. They they're going to have a lot of options in that rotation, and that's always good. Um, and to be fair to them, you know, if if they have good luck with health at next year's trade deadline, they might have some really uh, high value arms that they can uh, excuse me that they can flip and 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 maybe use next year's trade deadline or the off season. Uh, as an opportunity to kind of get the core of that offense going, so I, I really I think that that uh, this is a, a great return. I think this is way more than you would have ever expected to get for Marte. Um, so, and I'm not saying that the Athletics did a bad job. It's just different. It's it's just not what you would normally see. It's not the new conventional trade that you would see. Um, and if the A's think this makes their team better, or they just are are kind of like we've invested a bunch in in Lizardo and. You know, maybe greener pastures will help you out, and and it just ain't gonna work for you here. Then, I, yeah, sure, there might be a human piece to this. There, maybe maybe he got into it with somebody, or or somebody was. I don't know. Who knows? We don't know what happens in the clubhouse and all that stuff. Um, yeah. But I was definitely very surprised by the return when I saw that Marte was traded. I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw Lazardo going back. I was I was very intrigued by that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So there actually have been some options on his contract over the past two years. That's part of it. He was due uh, $12.5 million this year, $11.5 million last year, which is maybe, a, I would say, under market like for someone as good as him. So that, But still, like just the opportunity to have someone like that on your team who's available, that's an asset. Mm-hmm. And he's played like he's been worth multiple wins of production. Um, so, this, yeah, it's, it's confusing to me that, like, why, aside from just, like, the, the pandemic money aspect that he could possibly have moved around. But he got, actually got traded to Arizona in the offseason before the 2020 year, pre-pandemic. So, again, it, it's all been baffling to me his past couple of years. Um, He's got quite a collection of jerseys in his closet, that's for sure. Yeah, for just from the past couple of years. <laughs> um, I think the best-case scenario for a trade like this is that if you're the Miami front office, you see um, Luzardo is a like, really exclusive and wonderful asset that you think you can redeem. And at that point, you just trade someone else. Um, they are going to have to go out and be aggressive. And one of the things about Miami as an as a team is uh, they were bought by new ownership a couple of years ago yeah. and had to like, as part of the like agreement to buy the team, immediately pay down a ton of debt. Yeah. So the past right. couple of years, you know, like the Stanton trade, they had to make that trade so they could afford to own the team essentially. Yeah. Um, and they traded him and Zuna and Yelich basically without any scouting done because their scouting department was not great. And like, um, yeah, and like they were kind of doing a lot of things, kind of just rapidly turning the team around. And here they are now. They've got a great pitching core. They've got a couple other jazz chism looks great. Uh, but they got to build offense immediately. And they got to basically now that they're able to spend again, I think it's either next season or the season like that. They've got no financial like debt considerations. They mm. could just spend and they got to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. Because they got to get some people to show up to their games, and yeah. they can't waste this talent. <laughs> so it's confusing to me, and it's the sort of confusing to me that's really interesting and worth talking about. 
I'm not interested in the Rockies kind of confusion long term on like a, <laughs> I want to know more because it's just kind of like it's a black hole of front office does dumb things because they're ill-informed. This is I want to know what's going on because that is a smart front office. Um, yeah. And they have made good moves and they have won moves frequently. It's just I, I think this is just they kind of backed themselves in their corner and then just found a really strange doorway out. So, yeah, well, I'm I think curious. It's, I want to know more. It's definitely hard to um to make the moves where you're getting the talent you need to build, and then also able to build around it before it gets uh, old. I, I hate using that term, but um you know before it, it the peak is over. So um I think that the blueprint for them now is is pretty laid out. It's just a matter of whether they can go out and execute against that plan. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Before we go, I do want to just mention what we had alluded to for our off the book segment. We're not going to have time to really dive into the content here, but you know, Sarah's did put out a piece today that I thought was fascinating. So I want to, uh, I just want to uh, again circle back to it. Um, he talks about eleven deals that he thinks should be done, and he does it based on math. So whether it's performance or whether it's budget. Uh, arbitration years it's very well researched which is not surprising but it's very interesting some of the guys on there have already moved um and not to the places that he he suggested um but that happens this time of year no matter what so uh i would definitely if you if you get an opportunity check that out on the athletic um did you get a chance to read it uh alexander yeah i i think that some of the uh, formats he's done to do that work before um i remember a while back he was like matching up off season um need based off of like projected war on roster and, and it's just such like an obvious way of doing things where it's like oh yeah here's the way to find which team needs a first baseman the most <laughs> and then you circle the actual contenders and you're like all right obviously these are the three teams that are going to be in on you know we'll be able to do this do the same approach eventually for where anthony rizzo might land um free agency or like trevor story might land in free agency it's just sort by war so the fun thing about like the people who are good at the math and the stuff um is at the end of the day it's all just about solving problems and giving yourself the best tools out there who needs a short stop most okay who's got the worst short stop right now yeah right Uh, who's got money great sort sort we're just kind of talking through like how smart people have been doing things for years, but showing our work more. And I really appreciate, you know, because um, it's not like he's taking an approach that he came up with and applying it incorrectly to some place where it doesn't fit. It's almost always a situation where he's building out a process to solve a problem. And, and then I think that's one of the reasons why like rates and barrels was uh, one of the podcasts that got me interested in caring about baseball yeah um and i think a lot of the fun people to follow um are all kind of like concerned first and foremost with like that sort of like how you think about problems so yeah yeah you know thanks for doing a good thing yeah you know it's it's very very well put together and very well done so definitely uh check that out uh but that is going to bring us to the end of this episode alexander thanks as always for joining me stay safe from the lightning i can see flashing in the background there um and uh if you could just let the people know where they could find us well they can find you on twitter at the corked mat i'm on twitter at chase underscore rate and most importantly you can find our podcast on twitter at dugout study hall where you can send us some questions please be sure to subscribe to the pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already leave us a good review if you can be so kind and 
If you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.